Well, welcome to the very first uh, podcast edition of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. Uh, to be honest, I've been being urged by uh, my audience to uh, take this technology technological leap for a while now. Um, and I've been urged uh, to be able to read them out loud, to be able to listen to it on your way to work or wherever else you want to listen to Truth in a Thousand Words or Less while you're at the gym, whatever. And um, so I'm really excited to be able to launch Truth in a Thousand Words or Less in this format. So um, with that in mind, let's get to it. Uh, the one I chose uh, was last week's column to start with. Uh, and it's a column entitled No Longer Proud to Be an American. And obviously it came on the heels of the 2020 election. And while I don't always write about politics, I seem to be right, seem to have written about it way too much recently. Um, and uh, to be perfectly honest, I am just pleased as uh, punch to not have to talk about it again for gosh knows how long. Uh, but with that in mind, at the end of it all, I just couldn't help but have some last minute reflection. So with that in mind, no longer proud to be an American. Okay, this is it. I promise. After today, I will not write again about the 2020 election. I just don't have it in me. After months of hypertension no doctor can alleviate and at least a few emergency sessions spent on a therapist's couch, I, like most of us at this point, need to put this whole thing in the rearview mirror and just keep chugging on down the road. I've focused far too many of this column's, far too much of this column's attention on Trump and his bellwether moment in American history. But for the sake of my own sanity, it's time to move on. But before I do, I can't help but add a few reflective thoughts on where I believe this election has left us. And trust me, it's not a pretty place. Sure, many of us can sit back and comfort ourselves with the notion that democracy did what it is supposed to do, casting out a potential despot with authoritarian aspirations. But this election also exposed some gaping potholes in the road of our democratic republic, highlighting the ideological perspective of nearly 47% of the American electorate and the tenuous threads that hold this whole ball of yarn together. It never should have been this close. In the months leading up to this election, all of us have recognized and bemoaned the further fracturing of our nation's political divide. While we all grew up with a prescribed ideological dichotomy and probably had a fairly decent understanding of which team we rooted for from a fairly early age, that divide was still rooted only in a difference of beliefs and we understood the limitations of those differences as such. While we might have had contrasting views on issues such as abortion or taxes, we knew we shared at our core a mutual desire to do what was best for the country as a whole, to see it prosper and flourish, if only in our own unique visions of what that might look like. More importantly, we shared a common set of values such as truth and democracy that lined the inner walls of our monuments and inspired the best and brightest from both parties to push our country to always live up to those values, regardless of who might be in charge. Needless to say, this election was a testimonial to the erosion of those values. Listen, I understand we may not agree on all things. We can stand on opposite sides of the political aisle and shake hands knowing that we have differing beliefs. But this president crossed thresholds that should have eclipsed any political boundaries and precluded his re-election bid before it even began. Yes, whether it be due to Russian interference, ideological extremism, or gerrymandering, we have become a more divided nation. But this president should have brought out those long understood norms and values we once shared 
and united us in rejecting what he represents. The first element of Trump that should have brought both parties together in his repudiation was his character. Now, I'm not talking about the run-of-the-mill variety depravity like Bill Clinton or JFK getting with every piece of ass that came within their often diverted gaze. I'm no moralist when it comes to the presidency, and while I might feel you make for a crappy human being and an even worse husband, if you get the job done as a leader of the nation, I don't give a rat's backside who you sleep with. Shoot, I don't even care that Trump screwed up porn style while his wife was pregnant, though that does have to set some sort of unbreakable Guinness record for shittiest human being somewhere. No, I'm just talking about the basic human decency of wanting to help others. I think it's called empathy. But don't ask Trump, he won't even know how to spell it. I could list all of the unthinkable Trump atrocities from the past several years for page after page, but by now we have all heard so many we've just become numb to them. So let me just take a few of my favorites. Trump openly mocked a physically handicapped reporter. He questioned an opponent's penis size during a nationally televised debate. He stole money from a charity he set up for children with cancer. He established a fake university and built thousands of unfortunate people just trying to get a little ahead by investing whatever money they did have into an education. Amongst many other insults hurled at his political opponents, he called John McCain a loser just days after his passing. He had BLM protesters sprayed with tear gas so that he could pose for an awkward photo op with a Bible outside of a church that didn't want him there. He paid $750 in taxes. In a year, he claimed the salary of the presidency of the United States. He called active military service members suckers and losers. Now, these aren't hypothetical allegations. They are fact. They happened. And each and every one of them should have been a non-starter in his application for the presidency. Like a 17-year-old debutante on her first real date, all of these should have represented no-go zones that made us know that we were crossing into dangerous, uncharitary territory of self-absorbed assholes. But what should have been even more disconcerting to the American public, even more pressing of our stranger danger buttons, was Trump's continual denigration and dismantling of the very institutions that compromise the backbone of our nation's democracy. Whether it be willfully nominating unqualified people to posts they were ideological, ideologically opposed to, openly inviting foreign interference in our elections, firing the FBI director who was investigating him, questioning the legitimacy of an election he knew he could not win, extorting a foreign nation to give him dirt on a political opponent by holding up funds appropriated by Congress, refusing to sign off on his business interests or release his tax returns as every president has done before him, or making nepotism a new federal employment policy, Trump has time and time again flouted the very institutions that were meant to restrain the type of authoritarian he wanted to become. Again, none of these are debatable. They all really happened. And every single one of them, just in themselves, should have made each and every one of us collectively stand up and say, enough. But we didn't, and that's just the problem. Even as he got caught brazenly lying about the dangers of a global pandemic, 47% of American voters supported him and asked for four more years. What happened to our shared basic values of truth and democracy? When did we decide to just ignore common decency in the face of political expediency? When did we start to allow party to come before country? Listen, I get it if you 
like Trump's stance on guns or immigration or abortion or taxes, but shouldn't there be something even more vital that unites us all as Americans? As I sit here in the aftermath of a bitter election, pondering the future of this one great nation, I am not sure I see a path forward when 47% of us put aside the values of truth and democracy that only served as the ties that bound, that once served as the ties that bound us together, the light to guide us through the darkness of times like these. In any case, that's, um, that's this week's Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. You can uh, read Truth in a Thousand Words or Less each and every Thursday uh, on my website at www.waitingfortoday.com. Or uh, you can subscribe on the website uh, and get, uh, uh, get it delivered in your email inbox each and every Thursday. Or um, come back here to Podbean um, and subscribe and listen to it each, uh, each and every Thursday. Uh, whichever method you choose, I hope that you enjoy it. Uh, keep the love and support going. Spread it to all your friends. Uh, and we will be back with a new Truth in a Thousand Words or less next Thursday. Thanks a lot, everyone.